that's why I always say to everybody, like, if you have a chance as a young adult to go and live somewhere overseas, go do it because that experience is going to change your life. Those words of wisdom come from today's guest, Anna Rattler. Anna is a self-described business leader and tech enthusiast. She's also a fellow New Yorker and female entrepreneur, as well as a CEO and co-founder of advertising marketplace, Zvook. In today's episode, I speak to Anna about her fascinating background, growing up in small-town Finland before moving to Belgium, Singapore, and finally to the US, to the city that never sleeps, New York, New York. Join us as we embark on this exciting journey of travel and discovery. Please fasten your seatbelts and return your seats to their upright positions. We are now beginning our final approach to The Ginny Show. where you grew up. Was it a small, quiet town or a big, bustling city? Or maybe something in between? What influences did your hometown have on your life and how, if at all, did it shape who you are today? This is what I wanted to get to the bottom of when I asked Anna about growing up in Finland. Yeah, I actually grew up in in two different towns in, in Finland, small towns, Kotka and Lappeenranta. So Kotka was where I sort of spent my childhood and Lappeenranta where my early teens was, right? And they were both very similar in a sense. They were very cozy, small little towns, a lot of nature. Finland is, is has a lot of nature, a lot of water, a lot of lakes. So you would kind of grow up surrounded by water, by parks, by forests. You know, as kids, we would go and play around in the woods and do a lot of sort of outdoor activities. And it was just very cozy little towns and, and great places to, to grow up in, but no big city vibes. I mean, could not be further from, you know, the New York, right? <laughs> yeah. But I love that because as, you know, as a kid, you just grow up in this environment where you can walk to school. You don't need school buses, right? It's very safe. You can go out and play and you have a lot of autonomy even as a kid. So you grow up being relatively independent from your parents, which is something that I really love about Finland. Isn't it interesting how those two things, safety and autonomy, often go hand in hand? We would just go to one another's house and we would go out. Like we would play outside all the time, playing, you know, ball games, playing hide and seek and all sorts of stuff. And a lot of the kids, I think every Finnish kid has played in the woods. Like you build, you build like houses in the woods from leaves and stuff like that. And it was a very outdoorsy. I don't know if kids still do that. Right. I mean, times have also changed yeah. in general. Yeah. Like, we didn't have <laughs> smartphones, right? So we were the lucky ones, but it was just very outdoorsy. And I think, I mean, right now, I mean, living in New York, I think a lot of parents would be like, what, you just let your kid wander in the woods by <laughs> the themselves? Like, yeah. what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's, we didn't even think twice. After her idyllic childhood in Finland, Anna decided it was time to venture out and see what else the world had to offer. Her first stop, an internship in Belgium. 
It was tremendous. It, I was working at, the, at an EU office, the representative office of, of Helsinki to the EU, and our balcony was literally facing the, the European Parliament. And for me, I was 19 at the time. That was the first time I moved out of, you know, home into the big world and really being there in yeah. the big city, looking at this huge Parliament building, to me, it was really representing all the opportunities that are out there, right? The big world, kind of the career that I would have ahead of me. And I was as an assistant right at this office. And you would go out on the balcony and would smell all the smells from the street, smells of coffee and croissants and like all these other food, right? And you would hear the chatter of the people and, and everybody spoke, spoke French and I didn't speak French. So it was just like a chatter that I couldn't understand, but it was so energizing, right? It was very, very exhilarating. And then you look at this big parliament building in the sun and I was there over so fr- so from, from the summer until, until the winter. So it's like warm like Central European summer and you could really sense this smell of change and I was like very quickly after that I was like oh this is what the world is like outside of Finland like okay I don't think well, I mean, I obviously I had to go back to, to you know, finish my studies, but I was like, I don't think I'm going to go back for good. Like, I think the world actually is waiting for me. Uh, and so, yeah, I could still sort of hear all those all those sounds and kind of smell all the smells and really, yeah. And, and, and really it was interesting because I very quickly felt at home, even though I was from, you know, when I was living in, in Lappeenranta and studying there, that's like a 70,000 people live there right so it's a small town in Finland it's like a mid-sized city but it's a small town and then you go to Brussels and this big city and all these like important people and delegations and all of that it was very exciting now most of us have had a boss at some point in our lives some better than others but what was it that made the good ones good and the not so good ones well not so good I asked Anna about her boss at her internship, and she explained to me why she'll always think back on him fondly. He was honestly, especially now looking back and now that I am also a boss, like looking back and understanding how important it was that he did not just see me as an employee doing the thing, right? He understood that I was a young woman kind of trying to get into business, but also just trying to get out in the world. So he was super nice by yeah, taking me out for like dinners and lunches. And that was the first time I ever ate sushi. And I was like, oh, what's this? And, yeah. and, and now it's like my favorite food, right? So very, very exciting. And, you know, we would take tours in, in the city sometimes. He would, like, drive us around to go to the store to pick up something for the office. And would do, like, a little detour. And he was like, oh, here's the monument. And here's this. And here's that. And I, I just felt like it was very, very important that he saw that, to me, it wasn't just a job. It was a life experience, right? Yeah. And he tried to create as amazing of an experience for me as possible and I'm very grateful for him I mean he didn't speak French either right like we're just walking around like two yeah. tourists kind yeah, of trying yeah. to you know I'm trying <laughs> to get around but uh <laughs> but it was very exciting and then I got like you know my favorite cafe downtown was like one of these like Hagen does cafes and we didn't have them in Finland so that was amazing I would like go there to sit and have an ice cream and just what people watching yeah. loved it yeah. right like alone in the big city I felt so <laughs> adult you know I was yeah. like, oh I'm here eating my ice cream this expensive <laughs> ice cream but I worked for it right like yeah. I got a salary so yeah. I could afford it it was really amazing so now that she's a leader herself what effect did having a boss like that have on Anna I hope that you know going forward as well I can be a boss 
like that to someone else, right? Like when we get junior people on board, understanding that this is not just a job to them, right? Some of them move cities for for an internship, right? Yeah. Or move, you know, some some of them move to New York from a smaller place, right? To them, it is a similar kind of experience yeah. than Brussels was for me. Yeah. That was truly, truly amazing. And when you think about people, if you ask anyone about, hey, tell me about like a pivotal moment in your career or someone who had a big impact in your career, most of the time people will name people from their early career, right? 100%. My first boss or my first manager or my first person that I that I, that I managed or hired or whatnot. It's, it's someone from the early career. Yeah. And so I think that, that there's a lot of power that people hold in, yeah. in young people's, you know, careers. And so... Inspiring parliament buildings and cool bosses aside, moving to a city is always going to be, at least slightly, daunting. More so when you add learning a new language into the mix. When I was there, I obviously had to have an, you know, an apartment and, you know, somebody recommended me this sort of apartment agency, right, that had like a bunch of apartments. And I went in there and I, I mean, they sp- spoke no English and they didn't really have a desire to yeah. either, right? Like there was no desire to try to understand this like young girl who's like trying to scramble together. And I think I tried to speak just like English to them and be like, oh, be live like apartment, like yeah. here, whatever. Yeah. And they like showed me a couple of places and I chose the one. They gave me an agreement. I understood nothing. I was like, okay, I'm just going to sign this lease. <laughs> like it says, I mean, I understood the number. Yeah. I'm like, what yeah. was the lease? Yeah, what exactly. was the, yeah, no, the yeah, rent? Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And then, and then I really got it. And and that was also a very empowering experience as a young person. Like that was the first time I lived by myself, and that was like in a foreign country, and the language of which I didn't speak. Right. And so, just being beforehand, I was very worried. Right. I was like, how am I gonna? I don't even know how to like pay up whatever, right? Like a, a bill yeah. or rent or whatever. And then you figuring it out and realizing, oh, you know what? Wasn't that bad, right? Yeah. Or like there's there people are people anywhere, right? You're just trying to explain to them. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, you know, so it's very, very empowering. Um, and I, that's why I always say to everybody, like if you have a chance as a young adult to go and live somewhere overseas, go do it because that experience is going to change your life. You heard the woman. Living overseas as a young adult truly is a life-changing experience. It can be life-changing in a good way or in a bad way, and sometimes that all depends on where you choose to go. Given this, I asked Anna what it was that attracted her to Belgium. So I was applying for an internship or like a summer job at my city, and they had like a regional council, which was essentially, I mean, it's it's basically like one of those like governmental bodies that... Right do a lot of important things, right? So yeah. so for me, that was like, oh, that that could be a, a cool... I was still thinking at that point that I was going to become a politician. And so... Really? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, we got to come back oh, to yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And I've run for like my my, uh, my local elections and I was in my local city council. So I've wow. actually, I've made it, like I started creating that okay. career. But then I was like, no, I need to go out into the world. So <laughs> right, right. I left Finland. But no, but that's why I applied. And they were like, well, we don't really have positions. However, there's a position for a representative office in Brussels and it needs to be filled in two weeks. And the person, Johannes, is actually right now in town. Do you want to interview with him like tomorrow? And I remember going back home and saying to my parents like, oh, they offered me this thing, but obviously I'm not going to move to Brussels. Yeah. And my parents were like, why not? I said, well, what do you mean? Like, I've not, it's not like I know, I mean, yeah. I've never, you know what I mean? Like I've never lived abroad. Why would I do that? And they were like, of course you are. Like, of course you are. Like this is, and my parents honestly were, very amazing yeah. at that point. They sort of pushed me yeah. to do that and to go do the interview. And and obviously, I mean, I, I did I did well, right? So he was like, yeah, you're hired. Like, yeah. do you want to come? And I was like, what? 
am I moving in two weeks yeah. to Brussels? And this is how life is sometimes. Big changes can come quick and they can come fast. And we have no choice but to take it all in stride. I was, I guess, at that point, that was the only time that I've ever been nervous, like going abroad and like moving. And after that, yeah. again, just that experience was yeah. like, wow, I'm so glad that I that I did. And I'm very grateful to my parents who were very persistent with yeah. like, you are going to go like this. You're going to love it because yeah. they know me. Right. And they they knew that I was going to love it. As you've probably already deduced, Anna is a highly motivated individual, one with grand plans and big ideas. I asked her about achieving one of her earlier aspirations, entering into the world of politics. I got elected. Um, I was 23 at the time. I was I was one of the wow. youngest ever to be elected into the city council. And I ran like a, you know, a campaign. It was very different. You know how everybody has like these boring photos where they sit in their suits. My campaign was basically, I was wearing heels and a skirt and I j- was jumping in the air. Yeah. And then the photographer took a photo. And I was like, I love that photo. And I used that as my campaign photo. And I was like, we need like fresh ideas, whatever yeah. you would say, right? Yeah. As a 23 year old. And then I got elected. I went in and actually during the time that I was there, I made an initiative. And, and again, this was like 2008, I think, right. or 2009. So back then, the city council meetings were not actually, you could, you could come there and sit as an audience, but they were not streamed anywhere. And I was actually the one to make an initiative to stream it online. And I think it took about two years for that initiative to go through, but eventually it did. And obviously now everybody's streaming, but back then we were one of the first ones that actually streamed council city meetings online. And I remember so many people were pushing against it, the older, kind of more yeah. experienced, yeah. let's say, and they were like, oh, listen, you think it's so easy. You come with an idea, like you need to learn how these ideas are being pushed through. And I was like, watch me. Like, I didn't, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? And, and then, yeah, we made it happen, so... And of course, everything we go through in life comes with a lesson. And it broke down for me the two most important things that she learned as an elected official. Well, I think two things. Number one, to add to your, your list communication, right? Like just the way how you communicate and come across and talk to people matters a lot, right? Because people at the end of the day, yes, they vote or they choose to work for you or whatnot. Yes, of course your content matters, but also how you present it, right? Yeah. People buy people. I always say this, right? People buy people so and people vote for people. And then the second thing was just to be persistent and not listen to the noise. And this is very true. It was true back then when people were like, oh, that's so sweet. You're running. I mean, are you just running to try or are you running to get in? I'm like, I'm running to get in. Yeah. This is not like this. This is no trial run. I don't have such things, right? Yeah. I'm going to get in. And when I got in and I had this initiative about the online meetings, again, it was like, oh, that's so sweet. But, you know, like first, your first tenure should just be to watch how things are done. I'm like, no, I came here to make something happen. Right. So really like shut down all the noise from people. And it's very true now as a CEO. Right. A lot of people are saying a whole bunch. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody tells you what to do. Now there's like a lot of just turmoil happening all over. People are like, oh, the businesses are going under or whatever. And it's like, no, just block the noise, focus on what you need to do. And that's been definitely a very good, helpful learning from that time. And what was Anna's political slogan during this time? What was it that she used to speak to people and inspire their literal vote of confidence? 
It was in Finnish. It, it was called tuuleta tyylillä, which is basically it's kind of like let's like freshen things up with style. Oh, I mean, okay, with style. I mean? <laughs> and I was there with my heels, like oh, let's do it. Yeah, but it worked. From Belgium and perhaps bitten by the travel bug, Anna decided to move to Southeast Asia for what originally should have been a six-month stay. Southeast Asia, first of all, absolutely loved it. And it still has such a a profound place in my heart. I mean, Singapore and just the whole Southeast Asia, the culture, the food, right? Everything. And especially when you go somewhere thinking you're going to be there for six months. So I had an opportunity. I, I moved there for personal reasons for like six months first. And then I was like, well, I I'm going to try to look for a job. And if I want to find a job after six months, I'm going to move back. And then so happened that I then, you know, got, got a job and, and sort of from there really fell in love with this with the city and just kind of started building a life there. And I think what, what makes it also very special is, you know, when you go somewhere and you think that this is just going to be a short thing and all of a sudden it turns out to be this, like yeah. you said, like this, like long lasting yes. love affair exactly. with Singapore. Like, oh my God, I <laughs> yeah. actually don't want to leave. And, and And then at some point I just realized, like after I think a couple of years, like, Like, yeah, this is home now. With Singapore now being home for Anna, where did that leave Finland? Did she feel an urge to return back to her homeland? I never left Finland with a thought of, I'm going to go somewhere and come back. I left for good. I always knew I wasn't going to come back only because Finland is small and cozy and nice and safe and everything works and it's amazing. But yeah. that's not what I want, right? I want adventure. Exactly. I want challenges. You know, I want <laughs> yes. excitement. And, you know, going to a place like Singapore, you know, five million people, it's a city state. I think, you know, people have heard things like you can't chew the gum or yeah. you can't spit or whatever. And all these things are true. But there are just so many exciting opportunities there and just the lifestyle that you get to live there it all just really swept me off my feet and I was like okay this is where I'm staying and so yeah it turned out to be an amazing eighth year long adventure and that's how I how I got into the startup world as well I mean through kind of twists and turns right I thought always I was going to be a CMO of Nike right like I I was gunning for a very corporate career because I did my master's in Finland and I studied economics and business administration majored in international marketing and and, and was very like okay I'm gonna go abroad and work for a big company and be be this cool C level executive you know (laughs) and then I did that for a little bit I I worked in sales and in in software sales in a media intelligence company loved it in the beginning that was like the kind of life I really wanted but then I was like, is this it though? Like, is this the only, the all there is now? I'm kind of trying to figure out my next promotion, my next whatever. And I was like, I'm not excited about that. I want to have way more ownership and I want to have way more responsibility and just, I want to have a say, right? Yeah. Which is why I initially went into politics. I wanted to have a say. I wanted to make a difference, right? And if you're an employee of a big company, you don't really make a, a big difference, right? And so that's when I kind of started being like, well, actually, maybe I should do something on my own, right? Now, starting a new job is scary enough as it is, never mind starting your own business. Anna walked me through that experience and what that meant to her. So I left and started my own little sort of consulting firm for, for a little bit, just to kind of try to figure out what what am I going to do next, and then got involved in this big, messy, amazing startup event called yeah. Slush. Right. Um, it's a very, very big event in, in, in Europe, in the Nordics. 
And then I ended up starting the Southeast Asian chapter slash Singapore. Wow. So I started the event. We had like 2,000 attendees first year, 3,000 in the last year. And just, you know, startups, investors, media from 70 countries flying down together and really talking, kind of building the Singaporean startup ecosystem from the grounds up. It was a non-for-profit organization. So we had a lot of volunteers, students, young people. And it was very exciting to do that in the heart of Singapore and especially try to change a little bit the attitudes towards entrepreneurship in Asia, right? I mean, it's a very kind of top down, very traditional society where if you're not a doctor, a lawyer or, you know, an engineer, then like, what are you even doing with your life, right? And so we were trying to really showcase this, hey, there's there's so many other opportunities. You can be an entrepreneur and you can build startups. What was it that inspired this change in lanes? What was the moment that Anna knew corporate life wasn't for her? I don't know if there was one particular moment because looking back, I've always been like that. Like when I was eight years old, I was like doing my own little magazines that I would sell (laughs) to my classmates for like five marks or whatever back then so for them to read, right? Like I had my own little clubs that I organized where my friends could come and I would like teach them things. And (laughs) and I've I've always been like very, very entrepreneurial. So I think it's always sort of been there. And I think for me, it was more like I could not see that I would progress in my career at that company because the next step for me would be managing director. That company had a managing director. She wasn't going anywhere. I was like, what am I going to do? Just like do cold calls for the rest of my life here? I mean, no. And it was fun for the three years that I did it. I was very good at it. But then at the end of the day, you're like, you know what? There's something else. So what did she do now? I just quit. I mean, I didn't really, and I was like, I'm going to figure out what to do next. And that's, again, one of these, like, you just have to take a risk sometimes because I tried to apply for other jobs meanwhile, but you can't do it because you're too distracted with your current job. And I just kind of have to rip off the bandaid and then be like, okay, now I have to do something. Now I have to get clients. Now I have to like make a living. Right. So then you, you know, (laughs) hustle. (laughs) I'd like to think of entrepreneurship as a roller coaster. You don't know what you're getting into, so you just hold on and you keep riding it. I think, you know, what people always say that entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. Yeah. What they always kind of fail to mention is that it's a daily roller coaster too, right? 100%. On a daily basis, 100%. you are on this ride yeah. and you just have to hold on yeah, you and just don't let go. And I feel like literally 99% of success is just not letting go of yeah. that right right yeah, like yeah. just be like i'm gonna hold on no matter what yeah and you'll already be good yeah i'm um, just like don't quit don't give up don't fall yeah. like and then you'll be good and then i think i think the key really is not just that you are okay or you tolerate that it's you have to you have to enjoy it right yeah. because otherwise it's gonna suck real bad right so you kind of in some really weird sick way you have to enjoy yeah. doing all this yeah. and be like it's crazy uncertain and it kind of sucks like at times but but i i still really love it and i wouldn't want to do anything else exactly um, and so yeah and then after a period of time i think that you you start realizing like if you're if you're meant for that then you're gonna you'll, you, be, you'll know it you'll right be. after starting her entrepreneurial journey in singapore Anna eventually ended up moving to New York. I asked her what was her first memory of the city and why she knew that this city was the one. 
You know, I was, I, I came here when we actually started my current company's Vogue, my current startup, and me and my co-founder came here from Singapore. We met in Singapore. We came here for five weeks yeah. to see if we should actually relocate here, if there's indeed is a market here that we should be on, right? And it was May, actually, end of May, and we walked to Brooklyn Bridge Park, and this was like the, the following day from when we had landed walk in Brooklyn Bridge Park and you see the Brooklyn Bridge and people there and it's sunny and it's really warm and I'm like oh my god are we here are we like trying to build a business here what <laughs> and you see the Manhattan you know yeah. the, the the silhouette and it was just amazing I could not believe that we were actually here and it was even a theoretical possibility yeah. that we would be actually building a business here what I mean that was amazing so fr from then on I was like and, and obviously, you know, there, there was this whole, like, I love the city, but then we also, you know, started seeing that it actually does make business sense yeah. to, to come here. So that was like match made in heaven. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, all these opportunities here. It's a media hub of, of America. And I just love the city. And even still, you know, when people, I know everybody has like a love-hate relationship, right? Like you either love it or you hate it. And people who really hate it or dislike it, they're like, oh, but all the dead rats and all the smell, whatever. I'm like, I literally don't even see or hear them or smell them. So how did the smells, noise and ambience of New York compare to Singapore? You know, coming from Singapore, which is a very clean, clean yeah. right? It's very organized. Everything is organized. It's like, I mean, it, it's just amazing. I mean, you can literally like lick the ground and be fine. <laughs> right? We'll do that here. Yeah, we, no, we no. Yeah. I mean, even just the thought of that, I think <laughs> makes it sick. So, so like, no. <laughs> but so then coming here after eight years in this amazing bubble of yeah. Singapore of perfection, and utopia, then you come here and you sort of be like, okay, this is real life, but I love it that it's a little rough on the edges. You know, you gotta really survive here yeah. to an extent. Yeah. And and again, for me, who loves challenge, adventures and excitement, that was just a perfect match. I often liken moving to New York City to meeting a familiar character or being introduced to someone you've been friends with, but haven't yet met in person. And I feel like going to different places in New York is almost like seeing the different sides of that character, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you have the, the the Times Square, the splashy, the out there, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Central Park, which is a little bit more gentle. Yeah. And, you know, and then you go to some little nooks in Brooklyn and it's like, oh, hidden parts. Things that you didn't know, exactly. but I got them, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very exciting. I agree. I think that's a perfect way it's, to describe it. When you go out there, you can even be having dinner by yourself or going to a cafe, whatever. You can meet people that you can get inspired by. And that's, I think, one of the best parts. And so if you are in New York or if you come to New York, do take an opportunity to actually do that. Talk to someone because chances are you're going to get very inspired by their story. And that's what I love. So what was Anna's first experience and impression of New York City? I lived in a few different places in Brooklyn. I was I was renting a room here yeah. and there, and then I stayed in one room for like a year plus, which is where I also quarantined when the pandemic hit, right? But like all these different nooks and, and, and different places, and some of them were like nicer, and some of them were definitely not nice. But one thing that I realized, right, like like 
waking up, like I remember, like end of July, you wake up like and you're like super sweaty because the AC isn't really working and it's just like super loud, but nothing comes out of it (laughs) and whatever. And you're like, kill a cockroach and you're like, okay, let's start the day. But the thing that I remember the most was I was so happy. Every day I woke up, I was so happy. And my life looked very different from the Singapore sort of splashy, like condo living with a pool downstairs, rooftop drinks and sipping champagne and going to Bali for the weekend. This life was like, hey, we're grinding. This is entrepreneurship. Like I don't have a a long personal runway. Like I need to be mindful about, you know, my finances. I need to be, I need to be building this business, right? I mean, I'm here for a reason. I'm not here for, you know, to be a tourist. And so none of these things actually mattered. And and I woke up every day being like, I do what I love. Oh my God, I get to build my own startup in New York. Yeah. What? And, and and then we had like a little investment from from a, from a, an investor when we just came. And I was like, and somebody believes in that, right? Enough to like let us give us a little bit of runway. That was an amazing feeling. So that topped everything else, yeah. literally. And really kind of made it, made it like, hey, I, I don't care. I keep my eyes on the prize. Indeed, keep your eye on the prize and off the cockroaches and broken AC units. And what was it about Anna's experience in New York City that made it feel so magical? I think I just love the pace and some kind of an energy here and it obviously, I think it comes from the people. When I looked at every person, it's like everyone's trying to get somewhere, right? And you are not looked at differently here, whether you're just starting out, whether you've already made your millions. Like you are walking on the same streets and passing billionaires on a daily basis and movie stars and whoever. And then you pass by these people that have come here because they want to write a play and have it on Broadway, right? Yeah. And, and, and and then you have these startup entrepreneurs, right? You have everybody. and. The pace of the city just keeps keeps you in check. Yeah. And I feel like I'm just so inspired by it. There are a lot of people who hate the noise of New York. Yeah. I love it because to me, that is life. That is 100%. energy. That's the vibe that I need to constantly be like, hey, like don't sleep on things, right? Life goes on. You're here to make something happen. Yeah. It's a constant reminder, not in a bad, stressful way, but to yeah. me in an inspiring way. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really what sets the bar. I've been to so many amazing places around the world that I really love for like visiting and maybe even staying for a little while. But to come here and build your dream, New York is unique. Of course, every successful entrepreneur has a daily routine. Anna walked me through what she settled into whilst living in New York. I love going for a run, um, and especially now when the weather is is warmer. Um, so I wake up around six o'clock. I do either gym or yeah, when the weather is good. I love going for a run in the forest, or you know, when I was living in in you know next to the rivers, I would like jog around uh, along the river. I come home, I make myself breakfast. Coffee is a must. I like you know, it's just a <laughs> yeah, must. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, Finns are the biggest coffee drinkers in the world. You heard that right, the biggest. I'm sure Italy might have something to say about that. So I definitely have my morning coffee and then I journal. So 10 minutes every morning, I write just a little bit about how I'm feeling, what the day ahead is going to look like, any other thoughts. And then I always have three things that I'm grateful for. It's just an amazing way to really set your mind, even if you're waking up and you're like anxious or you're tired or whatever it's a way for me to put all those thoughts onto the paper out of my head 
right? So whether they're bad thoughts or good thoughts, they're out of my head, they're on the paper. It's a really, really nice way to start the day. And then I get myself ready and then I, I shoot out of the out of the house and like jump on a train or in a lovely subway yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and come into the city. So three times a week I come to the city and, and two times a week I, I work from home. So after an awesome conversation, it was time to say goodbye. But not before Anna imparted one more tidbit of wisdom about living in the Big Apple. And that's the one, maybe last thing that I mentioned about New York is that when you go out there, you can even be having dinner by yourself or going to a cafe, whatever. You can meet people that you can get inspired by. And that's, I think, one of the best parts. And so if you are in New York or if you come to New York, do take an opportunity to actually do that. Talk to someone because chances are you're going to get very inspired by their story. And that's what I love. And that's it for today's episode of The Ginny Show. Thank you for stopping by. And I hope you were as amazed and inspired by Anna's story as I was. See you on our next adventure, my friends. 